Blog Talk Radio. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the December 6th edition of Regard Radio. I am joined on the line by my cohort in crime, Alex Saint. What's going on, Al? What's going on, brother? What's going on? Today we've got a very special guest on. You got the office, brother. Hey, that was an intro. (laughs) That was an intro. We fucked up the whole thing. Shall I go back to the curtain? Yeah, let's go back to <laughs> yeah, the curtain. Yeah, no All right, you know what? We're going we're gonna to start this over. Uh, this episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you brought to you in part by my sponsor, www.ivpvideos.com, $2.99 single disc, $5.99 double disc. He's got all kinds of Japanese lucha, um, some early MMA, best ofs. So um, www.ivpvideos.com. Tell him Casey from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. And I'm live on the air with my co-host, Alex Saint, and our special guest, in the first segment from WrestlingGoneWrong.com, Mr. Davin Davis. Yeah. What's going on, boss? And then, How are you doing? Let me give the introduction. Let me give the introduction. You got it. Okay. Basically, when, when KZ first contacted me about the show way back when, because, you know, I was a budding superstar down here in San Diego, KZ contacted me, and the first guy I told him we needed to have on the show is the man that is the current webmaster behind one of the hottest websites on the Internet, WrestlingGoneWrong.com. That is my friend and yours. I've known the boy since I was 13 years old, Davin Davis. Hey, wow. what up, guys? What's hey, that not an intro? Guard. That's it. That, that's money. That, that, was, that was a money promo, Mr. Saint. I know it. We, we, we just popped a whole bunch of downloads. <laughs> yeah, Fuck buy rates, great. man. Yeah, all right. Show, Not a problem. It's all you, Alex. This is your boy, so go to work. Hey, all right then. Well, uh, like I said, Davin's uh, the host, uh, the webmaster. Well, what is your title with that damn website? I'm the, like you said, the webmaster, the writer, graphic designer, editor. I do a little bit of everything on there. The jack of all trades. Um, so tell people about the website. We know we already know it's the hottest website on the internet. I mean, is, is that is that not a fact? <laughs> that is a fact. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> I mean, bro, we all love Brian's website, but Wrestling Gone Wrong, hottest website in America. That's right. Uh, and, so, overseas. and overseas, too. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I don't want to undersell you, brother. I don't want to undersell yeah. you. Yeah. All right, so, so how'd, you come, how'd, you come to the, how'd you come to the idea of doing this website? Basically, um, 
<clears throat> I was a forum junkie. I used to go on all these wrestling wrestling forum boards, and uh, every time I get on, there'd be some fan on there always asking, like, hey, does anyone have the match where Vader got his eye knocked out of the socket, or does anyone have the match where Sid broke his leg? And I started noticing a lot of, a lot of people were looking for these matches, so I was like, so I tried finding a website out there that had all this stuff, and there wasn't one out there. So I just figured, hey, why not start one myself? And, and then, uh, uh, okay, we keep talking. It uh, it's and it just started off a little small website. It had like six clips on there, like max, and now it's now it's grown to what it is today. We have a staff writing for us. Got like six different sections. It's who's all, who's all on your staff? Because I mean, one person that's uncredited on the staff I know is uh. Your continuity editor, which is me, because sometimes you put up bogus information. Yes, Alex is my, uh, he's one of my uh, non-credited editors. <laughs> we you have many continuity editors, don't you? Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't research anything I post. I just make it up as I go along and hopefully people buy it. You have many continuity editors, don't you? Yeah, we have uh, the, basically the fans, like... If I make a mistake on the website, then we'll have fans write in, and they'll say, "Hey, you made a mistake on this on this video. It happened on this day. This is what really happened." And sometimes fans are wrong when they send those in. Sometimes they're right. <laughs> <laughs> so who's all on your staff now? The man guy is a he's a former XPW wrestler. He's an indie wrestler. He's a, he's actually fixing to get his own show coming out soon. On uh, trying to get a show on MTV, his name is Leroy Patterson, and uh, he's basically like a jackass stuntman. He, him and his friends do all these crazy stunts, like diving off, diving off of roofs onto thorn bushes and barbed wire and crazy stuff like that. Now, now this was this was Leroy, the ring crew guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. He uh, he was the ring crew guy for XPW for a while, and then he got uh, he's done a few matches for XPW. I know that, but uh. He wasn't really a big-name star by the time XPW folded. It's amazing because me and Davin, when we were in high school, we used to watch XPW. We used to watch Leroy's matches. Yeah. And, and it's then, uh, crazy how it's gone full circle. Yeah. And then the guy, uh, I actually shut the website down for a little bit because I had two other guys helping me at the time who ended up, they said they wanted to help, but then they backed out because they're bitches. And <laughs> can I say bitches on your show? Oh, you say anything you want, brother. Hey, man, we're on the Internet. Oh, okay, sweet. No fucking no, sense. I'm the, the hold button. Yeah, you can say anything you want, Adam. All right. Yeah, these two guys were supposed to help me, and then uh, the website, uh, I couldn't do it all. I was doing all the graphics, all the writing, all the video researching, and everything, and it just kind of became too much for my schedule at the time, so I shut it down. And then Leroy contacted me, and he's like, hey, I'm a big fan of the website. Uh, I love to help it out. And I was like, well, man, the website's done. And he's and he. He kind of wouldn't let it die. He was like, well, I can do this, and I'll help you write, and I can do videos. And You know, I've been told that before by some of my fans and all that, and it always falls through. Like, none of them ever came through with what they said they could do. But Leroy has tenfold. He's he's just as much as far as the website as I am, if not more. So. And so it's, it's y'all three, uh, Leroy, uh, Jonathan, Barbara, and then you? Yeah, and sometimes uh, if you guys know the Botchamania series on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. That guy, Matthew, he helps us out some. But I think so far he's only sent like four videos in. If what, what, what's your favorite clip been on the website? Um, It's kind of hard to say, but uh, 
my favorite section is the fans gone wrong section. It's where uh, it's all these incidents where fans have jumped the guardrail and attacked wrestlers, and I really like seeing fans get beat down because you know they're usually marks. You know they they don't know what they should about the sport and they think it's really real and try to attack a wrestler and then they'll end up getting beat down. I've never, I have yet to see a fan successfully attack a wrestler. Because they don't have any of that footage from the Samoans in San Francisco, ain't that right, KZ? What footage are you talking about? Is KZ here? I think he, I think he hung up. Okay, I guess it's me and you on the line. All right, well, now uh, in San Francisco, the the Samoans, that's how they got into the business, is they used to start fights in the crowd, from what I understand. And I heard a lot of nights they used to get the better part of the, the wrestlers. So they brought them in, so they'd quit starting fights. Really? That'd be interesting yeah. if, I can, if I get my hands on that footage. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if any footage exists. I mean, I don't know how often. Uh, that's why I asked KZ, because he's actually from the San Francisco area, and he's been going to shows for a while. So he might know if, you know, any of that stuff was filmed. But, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a film connoisseur, but I haven't seen really any San Francisco stuff. Yeah. So uh, how did you get started liking wrestling? Uh, kind of embarrassing to say, but the, <laughs> the very first match I ever saw, as far as any wrestling goes, was uh, it was a Monday Night Raw, and it was Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. It was a rematch from the War- the Royal Rumble. When, uh, was that 95? I think so. Where she, no. I think Shawn Michaels, Bulldog, was, he eliminated It was 96. Michael. It was 96 with the, the, the Michaels with the one foot touching. No, yeah, because that's impossible. Because when I met you, it was in, okay, I guess we did. Yeah, that was, that was back when I was a little Sorry. kid. Was, Sorry, yeah, but no, I met you in 96. How, you just started watching wrestling then? No, no. It was. I started watching wrestling when I was eight, but that was the very first. I watched like some WCW Saturday Night stuff, and I really yeah. didn't. Uh, it just didn't really, you know, hook me in. But for mm-hmm. some reason, that when I watched Raw, that's what hooked me in. And then I started researching it and going back and watching old videos, and just been a fan ever since. Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, what's that? What was your? What was the match that got you into wrestling? I've always wondered that. Who, me? Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone has that one match. Everyone has that one character. And I just I don't have that story. I mean, I just I remember being three and being in my mom's apartment. This is before she moved in, my grandmother. So it was just me and my mother. And the lights were out. It was dark. And I was watching Great American Bash 87. And, fl- and the horsemen came out. It was during the war games. And it was all dark. And I remember getting really scared because I was like three and the house was completely dark. And then I remember that freaking me out and Flair's music came on. But as, as, as long as I can remember, just wrestling's always been there. Like, I've just always watched, always bought magazines, always bought, you know, tapes. Yeah. I was into tapes, as, you know. Like, my mom would get so annoyed because I'd go to the, the local rental store and just get the same tapes over and over and over again until my asshole stepfather bought me that, uh, that double tape thing where I can where I can make my own tapes. Yeah, but that's uh, kind of how it was for me in the sense like once I saw it, I just my life became involved with wrestling. 
And uh, actually, it's a funny story of how we met. Do you want to tell the story, Devin? Sure. We were in a was it junior high? We were in eighth grade. Eighth grade, yeah. We were in eighth grade, and uh, at the time, I had just discovered ECW. I'd read about it in all these magazines, and I, I didn't have. I had one ECW tape, which was double tables. <laughs> but I was a fan of ECW, even though I never watched it and I didn't have any tape. I had to keep up with it through the magazines. And then one day, I go to school and I see this kid walking around wearing an ECW T-shirt. And I'm like, "What the hell?" So I walk. I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you watch ECW?" He's like, "Yeah, I have, I have 38 tapes." So, <laughs> and now Alex is—I don't know if you know anything about Alex, but he has the most massive wrestling library. I've ever seen in my life. It's probably bigger than WWE's. It's <laughs> uh, but b- before I unloaded all my stuff, I'm pretty sure that my collection would have rivaled Alex's. Oh, it would probably beat me. <laughs> oh. I've never met but, a person yeah. who uh, outranked Alex as far as uh, wrestling tapes go. Okay, guys, um, I do have a caller on the line from the 417 area code. It's uh, this is from Missouri. Let's see who we got on the line here. Caller from 417. Who am I speaking with? Uh, you're speaking with Josh Weeby. What's going on, Josh? <laughs> What's going on, man? I actually uh, know these two guys you got on the telephone right now. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, used to be uh, real good friends with both of them, but then we kind of all moved apart, so it's been kind of a distance thing, but I kind of wanted to call in tonight just to say what's up to both of them. There you What's going on, Weeby? What's up? What's up, man? Uh, I hope... Alex gets big into wrestling. I hope I see him the star of wrestling one day. And I know, you know, Davin's going to have his, uh, I don't, actually, I don't even really know, Davin. What do you do now? What's your, I know you do a lot with, uh, like, computers and stuff. And, like, you do the websites and T-shirt designs and all the other cool stuff. But what else do you do? That's pretty much it. That's how I'm involved with wrestling. I make T-shirts for wrestlers and websites for wrestlers and things like that. Well, then, you know, these, both these guys got a future, man, and I'm, I'm sitting over here in the Marine Corps with nothing ahead of me. Hoorah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. But you got a wife? Aren't you married now? Yeah, man, I got a wife. I got a wonderful wife. Her name's Trisha. Yeah. Uh, Finally got one to I, stick around, huh? Yeah, you know, I tricked her. <laughs> <laughs> so. Weeby was uh, one of our best friends in high school. We uh, we had a little group in high school, and Weeby was one of the members, and uh, we were like a yeah. clique of... Uh, the the cool kids, but we weren't the popular kids, and uh, we all hung out. Weeby was a big part of my high school career, my high school life. We just thought we were cool. We weren't really. Oh. <laughs> we were so cool. That's how that went. <laughs> Weeby was the starting quarterback of the junior high football team. I do want to put that out there. So Weeby was kind of cool. Eh. Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I came a long way from that. Now I'm just in the hole. Now I'm not even cool at all anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> you got Alex beat, dude. You know, you're settled down. You're married. You know, you, you get, you know, that uh, piece of ass one day a year. You know, it's cool. <laughs> I hey, dude, I'm married. So I don't I'm even get that, boat. man. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you have to pay her, too, huh? Well, you know. Uh, you know. <laughs> See what I told you, Alex? I, I told Alex earlier today, don't get married and don't have kids, man. It's nothing but a fucking headache. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can vouch. That's easy. He's right, man. <laughs> hey, hey, Weeby, uh, I'm gonna get you in trouble here. How many? Um, uh, didn't you give someone in high school a promise ring? 
Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, man. Why are we bringing that up? <laughs> oh, the, the, the reason we're bringing this up is because I'm going to hook everybody and their mother up with a dark pie in about an hour and a half. So it's going to be spread all over. We're going to probably put it on YouTube as well. So. Yeah, so you should go ahead and answer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that bitch was crazy. Did yeah, you get oh, laid? Uh, you know what? No. <laughs> no I didn't. You gave a ring no. and you didn't hit it? Oh, uh, God. Look, man. I was young, very stupid. What do you want from me? <laughs> That's even more reason to try to hit it. That's like guaranteed ass in high school. You give a girl a promise ring, she's like bound to sleep with you. Oh, she promises to bang you. It's simple. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, you take the ring back and tell her. There you go. Well, I I don't know how you young kids do it, but, you know, as old timers back in the day, when you, you know, you gave a chick something, you always got something in return. You know, hand job or, you know, hummer or something like that, but. When the father's a preacher, it's kind of... Oh, okay. Well, hand job the wall. then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did get those. Those are different. So, maybe... Uh, I, I don't want to hear about any stories with you and Alex. Oh, no, no. <laughs> those remain in my own personal vault. Kind of like he has videos of wrestling. I got my own videos of me and Alex. It's, it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> AlexGoneWrong.com. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, me, Alex, and Josh, we were all in the drama department in high school. There was a lot of sex going on in the drama department. Oh, God. Like, backstage. I think we even had a sex room, didn't we? In Miss oh, Matthew's yeah. class? It was an uh, undeclared sex room. <laughs> well, Everybody I'm going to jump in here. They were. <laughs> I'm going to jump in here real quick. Alex, you decided yeah. to have your your high school buddies on, so now everybody in the figure four empire is going to know a little bit more about you. Are you sure <laughs> you wanted to do this? <laughs> I'm a real Unless, person, you know, baby. Not only am I the SoCal stud, not only am I Alex Saint, the, the fastest upcoming wrestler in Southern California, I'm a, I'm a real person, you know. This is this is my life. It's my background. Gotta go don't ask, don't pre- tell. <laughs> it's going to be great when Alex becomes a big star and all these girls he wanted to nail in high school, they're going to become ring rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but by, by the time that'll happen, they'll be all fat, old, and gray. So and that's already happened a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. You know how many people in our high school have kids, dude? Everybody, but us. Everybody, everybody. That's ridiculous, man. Well, you guys are what about twenty two, twenty three? Twenty three. Something like yeah, that. Twenty three. Fucking young kids, man. <laughs> Jeez. How old are you? I'll be 35 in June. Wow. Yep, married and got a seven-year-old boy. Yeah. <laughs> Real life stinks. But I, I get to, you know, I get to get away for four hours a week on the radio with Alex. So. Oh yeah. That's my getaway. Yeah. But Alex, Alex, you and your buddies have the office. I'm just gonna sit back and relax and listen to some high school hijinks. <laughs> I don't know if we should get into all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, me and Weeby one time, we threw a little party at our house. And uh, you think I should tell the story, Weeby? Oh, was I gone at boot camp? Yeah, you were going to boot camp, unfortunately, because you would have loved me the party he's about to go. Do share. Me and, me, me and Weeby threw this party at our house, you know, like most teenage parties. And uh, 
some kids came over and they had, you know, weed and uh, they were drunk. And some uh, some asshole decides while he's drunk to go driving this car down the road. And of course he of course he crashes it into a fence. He drops through this guy's fence, wrecks into a tree, and the cops show up. And this dumbass tells him, "Well, yeah, I'm coming from Davin and Weeby's house. It's right down the road." Well, meanwhile, while the cops are coming, we have girls with their shirts off. Like these are 16, 17 year old girls, by the way, which we were 16, 17 at the time too. But still, we had 16 and 17 year old girls like flashing their stuff on camera with the with cops in the driveway and oh, making out. That was a they were that all going was not at fun. It. The cops showed up, and <clears throat> we got scared, but he said no one else could leave the house, and so now we had all these girls trapped in the house with us all night. So then we ended up having, like, this big mini orgy. New Way for Wrestling.com does not support orgies with 16- and 17-year-old girls. I just had to get that out. <laughs> I, just, I, just had to, I just had to throw a disclaimer out there. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Man, you missed that, Alex. It was a good time. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about wrestling on the show. We're just going to talk about teenage sex. <laughs> <laughs> Is that even legal? When you're a teenager. <laughs> and I, and I was, uh, I'm just telling KZ about how professional the show was getting, and then I bring it down with bringing on guests that want to talk about teenage sex. Okay. Teenage sex. you gotta, you got to find your roots, man. <laughs> Where is my keys? I'm going to step outside. So, Alex, when's the next New Wave show? All right. So you want to talk about the next New Wave show already? Man, we got a lot of weeks to hype it up. Me yeah, and Lokura at the next New Wave show. Uh, Who are you finding out? Me and Lokura at the next New Wave show. Uh, oh, yeah. And he's been talking a lot of trash. Uh, he, he wants some Alex Saint. Uh, we t- we tagged with each other at the Lucha show. I just I just had to scout them out. It's easier to scout them out when you're on the same team with them. So uh, yeah. I scouted them. I'm not impressed. Not impressed. Well, he's he's pretty good. But then again, you know, you got you got Alex Saint. Uh, January 12th, you will see the debut of Team Saint. I got a, I got a, a full entourage. That's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. And uh, we'll just we'll just see how it goes because New Wave. We got some exciting stuff coming up. We got. The January show, we got the anniversary show in March, and then after March we're gonna start running monthly, and it's only gonna be a matter of time before you know people are like Ring of Honor, who Pro Wrestling Gorilla, what New, new Wave Pro Wrestling, <laughs> and then you'll be seeing New Wave on my site. <laughs> Just as long as it, no Alex Saint matches uh, make its way to uh, Wrestling Gone Wrong. Uh, hopefully they will. Hey, uh, what what do you got going on in January wrestling wise? Because I got to go out to tax. January twelfth, baby, New Way Pro Wrestling, New Year's Vendetta. Come out and see me wrestle. What, what is that? What day is that? That's a Saturday. Friday, Saturday. Saturday. Oh hell yeah, yeah, dude! I'll be off. All right, January twelfth. Come out and see me. I'll be out there, man. Where where's it at? It's at I mean, I know it's in YMCA, San Diego. San Diego. YMCA, San Diego, man. Hell, I'll be there, man. Unfortunately, Davin uh, missed about a week from uh, my pro wrestling debut. That's something we need to get into, too. Me and Davin going to the Russell Fan Fest this year. You heard me and Trevor talk about it. You heard me and Jeff talk about it. Me and Davin, we got some stories, too. What stories haven't you told? I don't know. You can just tell them all again. Alex Alex raided a vending machine. (laughs) (laughs) 
me, me, that guy Trevor, and the other guy Jeff, we were in the hotel room chilling. Alex Lee's like, hey, I'm going to get some water. I'll be right back. Alex Lee's, and he comes back. He has like seven water bottles, three Sprite bottles, two Coke bottles in his pocket. Like, what the, did you pay for all that? I was like, no, the vending machine was unlocked. So he ran down the hallway and stole every drink from the vending machine. It was an open vending machine, basically, and we just we just raided the the vending machine. There's pictures of it all on MySpace, and uh, you know that, that's that's the life of a pro wrestler, right there, baby. You know, causing uh causing chaos wherever you go. Not oh, yeah. the not the new wave champion chaos, causing different kind of chaos. <laughs> Did you tell them when you almost got in the fight with the ring rat? Oh, oh, the Puerto Rican girl who was all over uh, Black Pearl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh. At the Ring of Honor show, the chick was selling energy drinks, right? And then uh, she was selling them for like $5 an energy drink. And I was like, I'm not buying no drink for $5. And then uh, I was like, you know, I ain't got the money for that or whatever. I was, just, I was just fucking around with her. But she was taking it completely serious, like I was some broke ass there. And then that Sunday night, the last night, she was there hanging out with Black Pearl and Rikishi. And then uh, Black Pearl and Rikishi were drinking my beer or whatever. And the chick was trying to give him another round of beer or whatever. I was like, not not for you, because I'm the cheap guy you met the night before, remember? You ain't getting none of my beer, woman. <laughs> this chick was hot. This chick was smoking. And I was like, fuck no, you can't have my beer. <laughs> I was like, Alex, man, get her drunk. <laughs> no. But, but I was drunk and I was chasing a very uh, ample woman at uh, the hotel. Oh my God, Alex! Alex loves big titties. Well, who does? No. Alex, this this girl who was selling these energy drinks was there, and she was walking around the lobby. And Alex had become shit faced at this point. He walked up to this chick, grabbed her hand, goes, "I have to kiss you. You're you're just so beautiful." And then uh, followed her back to her room. No, we didn't, because her room was right across from ours. I That's didn't follow her back to him. Come on now, don't make me sound like a perv. <laughs> I'm very respectable. <laughs> Not to that cheeky word. <laughs> right before she fixed her walk in the room, I was like, come on, fuck me. <laughs> you got to tell her how it is. I'm a straight shooter, brother. I'm glad you haven't changed, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sandman was uh, completely wasted the entire weekend. Who hopefully is a future guest on Rubber Guard Radio. So it's... Yeah, y'all are going to have him as a guest? KZ, leave again. Are y'all going to have him as a guest? Yeah, it's in talks right now. KZ's talking with uh, Sandman about getting him as a guest. So check out uh, future Rubber Guard Radio episodes. They'll be much better than this. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be just as drunk as he was at Russell's Scam Fest. Had <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian Knobs yelling at uh, Jimmy Snooker was talking to Sonny at one point in the night, and Knobs comes over. He's like, "Snooker, don't kill her, Snooker, don't kill her." <laughs> didn't didn't Knobs slap you in the back of the head? Yes, Brian Knobs slapped me in the back of the head while I was waiting to get a, a beer. And then yeah. uh, Scott Norton stood up for me. He was like, you don't even know that guy. Why are you slapping him? He's like, oh. He started rumbling some drunk stuff. 
It's good times. Yeah. And then uh, hey, we met the hey, most Alex. hardcore wrestling fans I'd ever met in my life. Mark Central. <laughs> every I'm I'm not like almost every fan there was pretty much a huge mark. They just couldn't separate reality from wrestling. Remember the guy cutting the promos on the wrestlers? Remember that kid? Yeah, the Hulk Hogan impersonator. Yeah, the Hulk Hogan impersonator. Yeah, this guy hey. he uh Roddy Piper showed up and he was taking que- he was doing a questionnaire in the ring. Where you, you know, you can ask him questions. And during the middle of Piper's uh answering one of his questions, this guy just started screaming throughout the whole arena, cutting this Hulk Hogan promo on uh I don't remember who it was I think it was on uh Gail Kim. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> then, uh, what, what other interesting people do we meet in uh, San Francisco? Uh, hey, hey! Before you guys get on that story, Alex, man, being the old guy that I am, I gotta go to bed. I gotta work early right. in the morning. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, real quick, before I go, I gotta know when the hell did that video with the symbol of death? When the hell did that shit happen? I don't even remember. Oh. That that was on uh, one of our excursions to NWA Battle Zone. That's an entire story. I was oh, 17 That's years old. Hilarious, dude. Hilarious. I watched that old video. I, was, I laughed my ass off. I was 17 years old, and I've wanted to have something to do with this business since I was since I realized it was it was not uh, the way it appeared. And uh, I was 17. I saw that this uh, wrestling promotion was training, and then. Uh, me and my boy, Davin, went down and scouted it out. So uh, we talked to the promoter, and then uh, the promoter, I mean, Davin, do you have any words for uh, this this promoter? Uh, tool? <laughs> <laughs> he was telling us about how he'd acquire the rights for Devastation Incorporated from General Skandar Akbar. It was going to come out with... De- Devastation Incorporated 2000, and how this was going to make all this money, and how uh, all the, all this other ridiculous stuff. Anyways, so I walk into the the NWA Battlezone Dojo, and uh, the the head teacher is a guy named Brother Love, who uh, had done WWF TV. And you may ask me, how did I know he did WWF TV? Well, he had the famous gimmick picture of him by the WWF ring truck. Which is, a, which is a great sign right there when you go into the school. And then, uh, basically, I learned how to take a flat back bump, and, uh, which I had to retop once I went to New Way School. And then, uh, basically, for that next show, I was offered to be security since I was one of the students. So uh, I was security for the show, and I invited some of my friends to come down and check out the show. And uh, we brought the symbol of death, which is a whole, whole other uh, story right there. But we brought the legendary uh, symbol of death of the show, and uh, we had some fun. Yeah, we uh, we made this sign for this this wrestler named Max Payne, which if you ever watched WCW like around 92, you know about the original Max Payne. <laughs> well, this guy called himself Max Payne, so we made a sign that said uh, basically he was a ripoff. So Max, the new Max Payne saw the sign, and he saw our symbol of death, so he decided he would grab it and bend it to get back at us, which they didn't get back at us at all because we thought that was, like, the coolest shit we had ever seen. And then, Didn't uh, he bend it on some guy's head? Yeah, well, yeah. no, he bent over... He, well, it's not like k Yeah, he broke it over the guy's head. 
I couldn't really see it on the video. No, so. he, <laughs> he, he hit the guy with it, then he went backstage and bent it over his knee. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he came out like, hey, sorry, I broke your symbol. Ha, ha, ha. And we're like, yeah, you're still a ripoff. <laughs> Didn't you have some signs about some mullet? guy named the Atomic Mullet, or his actual name the was like the mullet. Atomic Kid? The Atomic Kid was a baby face from around 1980 who hadn't, hadn't caught up with the times. Honestly, it'd be an amazing gimmick in a ring of honor like today or in any promotion today. I love the Atomic Kid gimmick. But uh, his name was the Atomic Kid, and he came with a mullet and a cheesy mustache. And uh, thank Joey Ryan with a mullet. This is, wh- this, is what I'm, this is what I'm shooting here. And uh, this kid, uh, he wasn't a kid. He was about in his maybe late 30s. And this guy was amazing. Yeah. The I Atomic Kid, baby. <laughs> That, that's what NWA Battle Zone was. It was Night of the Suplexes, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Made for great video, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, Weeby, was, it was good talking yeah. to you, Weeby. It's been great talking to you guys, man. Don't, don't be strangers. And, hey, man, send me uh, all the info I need to know about your uh, next match so I can get out there to it. All right, man, definitely, man, definitely. Love to have you in the all front right. row. All right, peace, brother. Later. Yeah, oh, and, uh, cool. the coolest thing about the NWA Battlezone thing was is that I talked to that damn promoter, and I was I was bugging him about bringing in AJ Styles because this was when I was, like, 17, so it had to be, like, 2002. And TNA had just started, but they were maybe in, like, their first five episodes on pay-per-view. And I had seen AJ from Wildside. I was a huge AJ mark when he did NWA Wildside because uh, the way on America One Network, the way – the way the thing went, it went uh, NWA main event, which was the Tennessee branch. Then it had NWA Wildfire from Georgia. Then it had ECW, and then ECW was replaced by XPW. And so I was huge fans of both companies, ECW and XPW. So I would watch the whole wrestling block just because I was a huge wrestling fan. And then uh, I saw this amazing guy, AJ Styles. This was pre-TNA. Then I started buying tapes, and I was just thought AJ was to walk on water. And so I would talk to the promoter because he was like, yeah, I can bring in anybody from any NWA branch. I was like, wow, well, you should bring in this kid, AJ Styles. You should bring in AJ Styles. And he never brought him in. I, I think he ended up bringing in Jimmy Ray, but that was about as big as he went. <laughs> I guess AJ wasn't good enough. Yeah. Well, he ended, up, he ended up sending this guy named Dan the Man or some crap to Wildside. And I read a review about how he stunk it up. And I'm, I'm leading into a different story. But Dan the Man stole my King of the Indies 2001, my APW tape. And I was very upset. And I found him on the Internet a couple of, couple of months ago. And I wanted to message him about those damn tapes. Like, where's my tape, clown? But anyways. Clown. So, yeah, that's my, that's my word. But anyways, so uh, <laughs> I was a huge Wildside fan. So for our senior trip in high school, we planned it out to uh, go to Atlanta, Georgia, go see a Metallica show. And uh, using my infinite wisdom, I was like, well, hell, if we're going to be in Georgia, we need to go see an NWA Wildside event, which I was able to attend. We went to a, a house show, one of the TV taping, and uh, we bought a, bought a street sign, and uh, the Lost Boys, Israel and Gabriel, they ended up using the, the street sign on each other, but I don't think they knew it was a street sign, though. No. <laughs> we took, we ripped off the famous uh, the ECW fan, the sign guy who said, Tommy, use my sign, mm-hmm. and he wrapped a stop sign and poster board. 
Well, we wrapped a speed limit sign in poster boards and said, Lost Boys, use our sign. And I don't think they, like Alex said, I don't think they knew there was a sign there because he hit that motherfucker hard. Like, <laughs> knocked him on his ass with the speed limit sign. And uh, the, the other guy got pissed. Like, you could look at his face. Now, he was pissed, so he picked it right back up and hit the other guy with it. And then they kind of, like, looked at each other for a second and just dropped the sign and continued with the match. <laughs> I think I worked by the marks. That's cool. <laughs> we had fans, uh, this is no lie, we had fans chanting. We all wore these white T-shirts and spray-painted sign guys on them. Like, it was like five of us, and we all had sign guys on us. And by the end of the night, we had the fans chanting sign guys because we, we, uh, we brought all these really fucked up and outlandish signs, and of course, the speed limit deal and all that. So, And then after the, sh- then after the show, we uh, had a long talk with David Young, who, uh, who I always thought was really, really, really good. And then, uh, fortunately, I thought he was really – I mean, he's good, but, I mean, I like that he's being used by TNA as a job guy because I like seeing everybody get work. And then I uh, had a long talk with Jeff G. Bailey. And uh, if you haven't seen much work from Jeff G. Bailey, I would say check out some Wild Side 2001-2002 because uh, Jeff G. Bailey was one of the top indie managers I'd ever seen in my life. And yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit. This man, he had a stable called NWA Elite. And then uh, well, what's beautiful about an indie stable is you can just you can pick and plug members. So, you know, the Elite was a, a constant rotating stable. It started off with like AJ Styles and Onyx. Then went to Jason Cross, and they always had rotating members. But the, always the you there, Alex? Bailey was a huge mark. Hello. And yeah. Bailey was Bailey was a huge mark for uh, serial killers and and killers generally. And then actually, at our high school, when we were in eighth grade, we had a school shooting at Pearl High School. And uh, Jeff G. Bailey was like, okay, where y'all from? We're like, Pearl, Mississippi. And then he, he began to tell us about all these facts that happened at the Pearl shooting. And it was insane. But, yeah. Only, uh, we also, one of the sign guys we brought with us was this asshole. His name was Bobby Guillory. <laughs> but this guy was a prick. But he brought his girlfriend along for the Metallica concert. Well, by the end of the card, when all the wrestlers were coming out and meeting the fans, there were like six wrestlers trying to fuck his girlfriend. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted him to so bad because I hated this guy. He almost was she hot or what? Say what? Uh, Alex, was she hot? Oh, that's a, that's a whole different story. We don't even need to go down. Alex could have <laughs> fucked her. <laughs> Good. Oh, man. Alex, Alex you don't have game? What's up? I thought you did, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this I mean, Alex was... This chick came over one night. I used to live with Alex. We used to be roommates. This chick came over one night, and she just, she didn't want to go home. So she said, Alex, do you mind if I sleep with you in your bed? And oh Alex like, God. okay. That night, that asshole showed up at the house and basically cop-blocked Alex. And that's, that guy you, you heard talking phone, Josh Weeby, that's pretty much when we all kind of quit being friends. That's pretty much mm-hmm. when it started, was, was when Bobby Guillory brought that bitch. But, uh, well, but the you know, Alex. Funny thing. Go ahead. You know, you know my wife wants to, uh, since you're in the military, she wants to uh, send you down a, a care package for Christmas, cookies and hot chocolate and whatever. 
Um, I, I'm going to tell her when I get off the show that no, 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 we're not going to send none of that. We're going to go to Toys R Us. We're going to buy Monopoly, and we're going to put it in a box. We're going to send it down to you so then you would actually have game. Oh. Come on now. Let's, let's not ruin the gimmick. Come on, brother. <laughs> that's the last thing I need, some ring rats in the, in the front row hollering, you ain't got game at me. That's, that's, the, that's the last thing I need. Oh, you know what? Let me put the bulletin on MySpace real quick here. <clears throat> I'm just teasing. All right, back, back to you, uh, Davin. You guys have about four minutes, and then I'm going to have to cut you off. So, um, four minutes? Four minutes. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get out some plugs out of the way. So we can plug for about four minutes. Uh, Davin, what are you involved in right now? What all do you do? Uh, right now, um, I'm working for a semi-working for Ring of Honor. I'm doing T-shirts for them and website design. Also, be sure to check out WrestlingGoneWrong.com, the greatest website in existence, next to Rubber Rubberboard Radio, Rubber Guard Radio, excuse me. Rubberboard. <laughs> rubber <board. laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> You're wrong, dude. <laughs> and uh, he's also currently doing a shirt for the NWA World Champion Adam Pierce. Oh yeah, I'm designing Adam Pierce's new T-shirt. Oh yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. You know, he is the world champion, but I totally forgot about making his shirt. But well, that's cool. Um, do you have a MySpace page as well? Yeah, it's uh, MySpace.com/slash/EverBeenCrazy. It's a retarded name. And then uh, Wrestling Gone Wrong, uh, www.myspace.com/slash/WrestlingGoneWrong. Yep. That's it. And uh, I never check that MySpace, but be sure to go in there. I might answer your questions if you send me some. I did. <laughs> I did, and you didn't respond. Yeah. So that's okay. I have your phone number, so I can call you now. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Davin, thank you for the trip down memory lane. It was uh, yeah. definitely a pleasure. We will definitely have you on again. Um, Great, and uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Not a problem. It was a pleasure. Um, Alex, are you going to call back in for the second half? Well, I'll just hang up on Davin if you want to put me on hold. All right, cool. All right, Devin, it's good seeing you. Good having you on, brother. Take care now. All right, thanks. All right, thanks again. Stay black, Reno. All right. <laughs> wow, that was a a trip down uh, Alex's memory lane. Uh, um, those were some of his buddies from back home in high school. Uh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's like being in high school again. Uh, while we're waiting for uh, my partner, DJ Mike Nice, to call in, uh, we'll run down a couple of plugs. My sponsor, IVP Videos, www.ivpvideos.com. Two ninety nine single disc, five ninety nine double disc. He's got a shitload of Japanese uh, lucha, some MMA, a lot of um, Japanese indie sleeves. He's got a big Japan. Um, Michinoku Pro. He has a pretty cool 12-disc Best of Michinoku Pro set that's really, really good that's worth picking up. Uh, once again, it's IVP Videos, www.ivpvideos.com. And we will also plug the Figure 4 online. Join the Empire, www.f4wonline.com, $7.99 a month. Um, so much audio, um, so many audio shows. Pretty good message board, except for the faggot-ass punks that like to troll me on there, but whatever. They're bitches. 
And also, uh, they put out a newsletter late Tuesday nights. Um, you can get it in print for an additional fee, or you can get it online. But yeah, join the Empire. Um, it's the best $8 I spend a month. www.f4wonline.com. Let's let's uh, get Alex Buck on the air. Alex, are you here, brother? Oh, what's going on, brother? That's a uh, that's a little bit of reality, a little bit of backstory on me. Uh, me and Davin, we grew up watching wrestling together, man. That's what we did, and uh, that's part of why I love the business so much. And uh, that's pretty cool. We'll always call each other and argue about uh, wrestling and talk about wrestling. And he's always wanted to be in the business, and uh, he's found his little niche there. With uh, if you're an independent wrestler and then uh, you, you're not a good graphic design artist, uh, you know, contact him, and he can give you a reasonable rate about uh coming up with some designs for you for a T-shirt. He doesn't actually make the T-shirts, but he'll give you a good design you can give to a, a printer, and then they'll be able to do that up for you. And then uh, he's made some real good stuff. If you look at the new Nigel McGinnis shirt, he did that. And then he's uh, a real good guy overall. Yeah, um, while, you're on the, while you're on the line with your partners, um, I was in the other room talking to my wife. She says, you know, what are you doing in here? I said, hey, you know, Alex and his, you know, and his friends from high school, you know, they're having a little throwback party on the show and um i told her that you know i, I approved i approved uh davin as a guest because now we get to see you know a side of you that that not everybody gets to see we get to see that alex Sane is actually human which is uh <laughs> which is uh kind of strange but yeah. i do have a caller i do have a caller from the 718 <clears throat> okay let me patch him in here uh, right, caller from the 718. Who am I speaking with? Yeah, this is Mike Nice. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, boss? How's uh, <laughs> what's going on? How's the boogie down Bronx? Chilling, chilling. What's good with you, cats? Oh, not so much. Relaxing. All right. I was trying to check out the part of the show online, but I got the Mac and it just keeps going buffering and buffering and buffering. Ain't nothing happening. Oh well, <laughs> there's your problem. You got that Apple, man. Stay away uh, from okay. the fruit. No San Francisco jokes, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. I knew you were. You had one. Um, Mike, we're on the air with uh, my co-host for the evening, Alex Saint. He's an independent worker based out of San Diego. Hey, Alex. Just, how you uh, doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Not much. Man. Now, I'm trying to check the show out. Now, the main reason I had to get you on, Mike, All right. was because you are the only motherfucker out there that has pretty much every piece of Mick Foley footage available. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Like I'm missing some of the stuff from like the past, like his return and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. all the other stuff, I pretty much got everything covered on that. I'm actually working on a comp right now that's gonna cover all of '94 from his start in um, ECW all the way up to Japan to his arrival in Memphis. So I just got some. Uh, I just got actually a match. Uh, Mick worked in uh, Puerto Rico against uh, Doomsday. Oh man! Yeah. Oh wow! Did you um, did you order that that set of uh, NWC TV from Vegas? You know what? I was going through some of my footage, and I pretty much have everything. So I actually hit mm-hmm. the guy up today to let him know about it. So I may uh, may or may not go through with that set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you get started uh, collecting Mick Foley footage? What happened, buddy? How did you how did you get started collecting Mick Foley footage? Man, funny story is, I remember him doing the job to Kamala, like, years ago. And then I remembered uh, 
through the magazines, uh, hearing about the whole Gilbert feud and stuff, and I just really got hooked on it once I got into, like, the tape trading. Did you grow up doing a lot of MSG shows, or how would you get started in wrestling? Oh, wow, probably uh, from my pops. Uh, probably just, I grew up in the 70s, so uh, probably, like, around five years old, just remembering the old garden cards on the MSG network. And then just Channel 9 at 11 o'clock, uh, just all day Saturday and Sunday just watching wrestling. Like, wrestling in New York was really cool back in, like, the 80s. Uh, shit, man, you probably get, like, six hours of wrestling a day. Oh, wow. What all different Yeah, they had all kinds of shit. Remember? Uh, Puerto Rico, didn't you? Didn't you get WWC out there, too? We got, uh, let me remember. It used to be, like, Superstars of Wrestling, Wrestling Challenge. Then you go over to Channel 9, and they used to have, uh, like, Glow. And then back to Channel 11 used to be like, uh, what you call it? Channel 11 used to air the NWA. And then like oh, at wow. one, on 1 o'clock, it used to be like the UHF channels and used to get like uh, world class. And then again at like 5 o'clock, you would get uh, like one of the wrestling, the wrestling spotlight or challenge. And then wrestling would air again at 11 o'clock on uh, Channel 9. And then, yeah. if you, then sometimes if they had the Saturday Night Main Event, you'd get more wrestling. So it's kind of cool. It so was you so got a plan. Back in the day, I didn't hear what you said. It was so lovely back in the day. So much good wrestling coming on. Yeah, a lot of good old school, you know, different territory stuff. So it was cool. And then if you had like, if any of your, your buddies had cable or something, you used to be able to catch Florida like on on the cable channels. Everyone says that the wrestling, the wrestling today, the wrestling today is good. But back in the day, and uh, like uh, Mike Nice just said, I used to be able to sit in front of the TV and just watch wrestling for hours, and I was always entertained, and I just can't do that today. I, I usually fast-forward through Raw on my DVR, and I just, I just can't sit through that much wrestling programming today. But back in the day, it was lovely. I think the story, I think the booking was better, and the storylines were better. Nowadays, I think what kills it is the whole sports entertainment. It's just like they actually like just killed it. I mean, it's just got so commercialized with the pyrotechnics, the the entrances, the backstage stuff. I mean, where where's the product? You know, it's just like it's not even believable no more. When when was the first time there was really a big backstage angle in, in the back in the day? I mean, you, you didn't really see them. Uh, locker really. room beatdowns usually. It that was would usually be it. Like, like a the NWA used to do, like when they beat up Kelly yeah. in the locker room. Um, but I'm just talking about like just even storylines with characters. They don't even the feuds. I mean, I remember like when the feud used to be a big blow off at the Garden. And now, nowadays, they just give away pay-per-view matches every Monday and Friday night. <laughs> and they don't even have competition today. That's a scary thing. Yeah, I mean, the the product's stale. I mean, the product's definitely stale. I, I literally don't even watch WWF no more. I, I, I like WWE 24-7, and that's about all I watch. And I watch, like, old stuff or just some hardcore stuff. Tell me what's some ECW shows back in the day in uh, 95, 96 in New York. How were those shows? To be honest with you, I've never seen ECW, the old ECW live, just from watching tapes and stuff. That's all. Like, I really was familiar with it. Oh, and you were right there and you never went? I was, yeah, pretty much I was always busy with music on the weekends, working and stuff. I didn't have time to really watch wrestling. 
Oh, man, that would have been the hookup if you could have been a DJ at one of the shows. Yeah, that would have been cool. Definitely would have been <laughs> cool. But, uh, 95, I mean, 95 ECW was great. Probably one of the best years. But, honestly, I like even the earliest stuff, the 93 stuff. I think a lot of people look over that year. But, like, Funk and all them early guys in ECW really set the that The king of Philadelphia, Eddie Gilbert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, now, and I Al- just, Alex and I, Alex and I are partial to 96. But yeah, ninety six was the year. The later, the mm-hmm. later part of ninety six. The entire year of ninety six. <laughs> the entire year. You think ninety six was the best year of ECW? Oh yeah. When, well, I'll tell my story first before KZ tells you his story. When, yeah. when I, I was, uh, I was about twelve or thirteen years old, uh-huh. and uh, I was watching WF and WCW, and honestly, I was just getting tired of it. I was honestly about a phase in my life where I was about to stop watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. It was around the time when I found out it was fake. And then my friend brought over this tape, you got to see this, you got to see this. I didn't even want to see it because, I mean, I was just like, man, I don't like wrestling anymore. Uh-huh. And then uh, the first scene I saw was Brian Lee, Choke Slam, Tommy Dreamer through the three tables. Right. And then they had built up this, this angle between Tommy Dreamer and uh, Brian Lee. They were going to the Heat Wave 96 show. There you go, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I, I, now I think about it, you're right. 96 may have been the hottest year with them. And I wanted this drive so bad at 13 with no car, no license. I wanted to drive so bad to the Philadelphia ECW Arena to see that Heat Wave 96 show, to see that six-man cage match. And then I've never felt that way about a product since or before. I never wanted to go see a live show like I'd wanted to go see those ECW shows. And I had the honor of uh, going, being able to go to one ECW pay-per-view in 98. Then I went to an ECW television taping by the time it was on TNN. But uh, KZ, what about you in 96? What's special about 96 to you, brother? Mm, Raven and Dreamer. Raven and Dreamer. That's all I can say is Raven and Dreamer. That was definitely a bloodbath. That and uh, Raven as the the champ, because uh, Paul brought in uh, Steve Williams. um, Terry Gordy. Brought in uh, Gordy. He brought in all these guys to, to make Raven a credible world champion. And that's what we lack nowadays. Um, with the, I'll you know what? I, I can't even. Stuff means, don't mean shit. <laughs> there's, you know what? there's no, there's no legacy to the belt anymore. I mean, it's just. I mean, they'll, they'll put the belt on anybody. I mean, that's why you have to look at like old school WWF. You had guys that were that were could have been main eventers that never needed the belt. Look at Jake. Mm-hmm. Paul Orndorff. Exactly. Orndorff's another guy. Exactly. Exactly. Now, and and another thing, like the guys now, that everybody looks the same. Exactly. Oh, I don't and that's, agree with that. I mean, it's kind that's, of funny. It's it's kind of funny. Like wrestling right now is almost the parallel to what hip hop is right now. It's like everybody wants to sound the same. Everybody has the same look. Everybody's following the same trend and everything. Nobody's different. There's no individuality, and it's just like it just makes the product very stale. Is he still there? Hello. Okay, well, just me and you on the air. Yeah, I totally. I, <laughs> they'll do that from time to time. But yeah, I totally agree about the, the the lack of. But when someone comes out and they're original, they really stand out. But I mean, there's just not that many people today that are really original. Even Jericho came back with short hair. I yeah. mean, 
know, it's just like it went. It just takes away from the product. I mean, it's just it's it's a whole bunch of hot spots crammed into like a ten minute match or seven minutes. All right, so uh, we we talked about wrestling for a little bit, and uh, KZ's off the air, so I'll take it on a different road. Uh, you're a DJ, and uh, so tell me about the hip hop. When did you get into hip hop? Wow, I've been spinning uh, roughly since like '88. Uh, been listening to hip hop, wow, probably since 1980. You know, Grandmaster Cass, Sugar Hill Gang, Cold Crush, old pause tapes, battle tapes, listening to breaks, Bambata. Uh, basically, that was New York. I mean, 1980 New York was basically hip hop. You either listen to hip hop or you were listening to like, like rock and like rock. Really, I mean, I listen to some rock now, but. Hip hop was just like this different thing. It was just this own individual sound. So it was definitely kind of funky. And then uh, all through high school and whatnot, then started working with the labels. And basically just to what I'm doing now, doing production, got my own label. And uh, just basically trying to make things happen. Basically trying to bring New York back to what the scene should be in hip hop. Uh, so... You started your label. Who 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 are some good guys you got on that label? Uh, right now I got Shakespeare, and I also got Eight Track and Life, the Faculty, and uh, recently just did a record with Cool G Rap. So that's pretty pretty much what's going on right now. And then we got a couple of projects dropping down in 2008. So uh, got a couple of big things happening. So when I listen to hip hop radio, and you give your opinion, but uh, when I listen to hip hop radio in 2007. I, I can't tell any of the any of the songs apart. Maybe that's because Akon's on every song, but I can't oh. tell any of these songs apart. I agree. With then, you. Uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's just that the, the product is just so stale. And basically, I quit doing DJing parties and stuff like and start stop making mixtapes around '98 once the product just became ridiculous. And I said, you know what? Why the hell am I going to keep supporting this? if nobody's really making any quality music. So what I ended up doing, I started making beats and figuring, like, look, if i got to make this, make something that I want to hear, I'll start making my own stuff. And, uh, you know, time grew along, you know, got a little older, got some money in my pocket, decided, hey, I'll start my own label, sign some talented artists that I know that are credible, that could actually make music, make something that the people want to listen to, and uh, decided to take my own rock on the independence. And uh, the unfortunate thing about hip hop, well, in all entertainment, is uh, I've I've not been uh, that big of a rap connoisseur. I'll be honest, but uh, mm-hmm. one of the artists I really caught real early was Chameleon Air. I, I started listening to Chameleon Air back when he was doing freestyles on the radio. I don't remember the radio station. I just flip around, and then at a certain time on Saturdays when I was driving back home, mm-hmm. he'd be doing freestyles, and, and then he was just like Paul Wall, mm-hmm. and then so but now crazy. he, what's that? So he's basically like local talent. Yeah, but he was out of Texas, and I was in Mississippi, but, I mean, he was still on the radio over there. Hey, and let me he got signed, and then now he's completely different. Hey, and maybe then you, I, I came and enjoyed the product now. Maybe you can help me with this one since you're from Mississippi. When did Deep South Championship Wrestling occur? And this is, I'm you're, talking about, like, 1995. Oh, wow. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know, because Mississippi's never... In my area in Jackson, Mississippi, there was never they, – they didn't advertise in my area. The wrestling was always southern of me and northern of me because to the north we had Tennessee, 
And to this day, they still put on cards up there with Lawler and Dundee and stuff like that. Yeah. And to the I mean, South is wrestling, but never in the Central. Not since Bill Watts used to run in Jackson has okay. there really been a, a scene in Jackson. Uh, the reason why I ask is I have I have a videotape and it's like five on-air episode of uh, Mid South Championship Wrestling, and it take it definitely takes place in '95. I mean, you had uh, the Rock and Roll Express fighting the gangsters. Uh, okay. You have Cactus fighting um, Abdullah down there. Cactus also fights uh, the Spoiler. Um, who else is on there? There's a lot of big names on the card, and it looks like they had like an interpromotion uh, exchange of talent with um, Smoky Mountain. Okay, yes, with the Gangsters and Rock and Roll Express, definitely sounds like some Smoky Mountain. Yeah, so I don't know if it took place like in early 94 or late 95. Yeah, uh, yeah, roughly in Mississippi I was always unfamiliar with. That's why I always went out and looked for tapes and because I, I, I never saw a lot of wrestling shows. I always had to drive out unless WWF or WCW did a house show in Jackson, which WCW was running regularly there for a little while. Uh-huh. But then uh, when they closed down, WWF ran shows every once in a while. But the Jackson was killed when uh, Bill Watts moved out. So the whole, what, what, the whole territory got bought up by Vince? Yeah. Like, no, one, no, one's, no, I don't, no one's tried to run since Bill Watts was there. Really, I went back, I, this is a true story, I went back home for Thanksgiving, and uh, I just got involved with wrestling, I just started training or whatever, and then uh, I was I was seeing a gold mine in Jackson, because you could successfully run a promotion there, no problem, because there's never been anything there, not for at least 20 years, there's not been and any it, wrestling there. And it's always been a hotbed? Oh, it was a hotbed for Bill Watson, it was one of his uh, major houses. Uh-huh. While the big shows uh, took place either in Jackson and New Orleans, mm-hmm. and then uh, he ran regularly like in Oklahoma and stuff like that, but his big shows were always in the Jackson Coliseum or in the Superdome. Those were his two big, big houses. I mean, I may be wrong on that, but I know Jackson's one of the big houses. Let me ask you well, a question. Jackson, Jackson was as far north as they would go. Well, he run in Oklahoma, and that's more northern than Mississippi. Well, no, you know what, I take that back as far as north, but... That was one of their boundaries. That was as far as they went. Yes. <clears throat> what do you think keeps wrestling so hot in the South? Is it that it's just like nostalgic of the area? It's just always been something like uh, Southerners just grew up on? Um, it, I think, you know it, what? I think it, it has it's to do the with Southern that. style. It's the Southern style. It's not high spot, high spot, high spot. Right. Also, That's I think it has it to do... I, th- I think it has to do more so because tech- if you go down south, well, I live in California now, and, and technology is, I mean, there's bigger cities in California. There's more to do in California. In the south, there's really not anything to do. So it was more of a family thing when you went to a wrestling mm-hmm. show. Okay. It was more of a family event, and people grew up on it. Uh-huh. And so it's more of a staple in people's families in the south than because people saw Lawler growing up, and then people saw Brian. Cause everyone sees all these people growing up. So they're more of a draw because, you know, people have seen them growing up. Right, right, right. So it's like a tradition. Yeah, it's like a tradition down there. Because, like, I believe, like, the South was the only areas that could really do, like, a full sellout, like, on a Christmas day, you know, on, like, a Thanksgiving day, right? Uh, I don't know about that far, but, yeah, I mean, the South was definitely a hotbed for a lot of companies. And if you still go down to the South today, I mean, wrestling, it hasn't changed that much from a, when they used to run back there, because like KZ alluded to, the, the famous Southern style, I mean, we had a promoter on a couple of weeks ago who said, you know, uh, 
you bring in some workers from the east and they go down there with a lot of the more high high squad, more fast paced style, and it doesn't get over as well with a the slow, methodical storytelling style that the southerners have always done. And uh, it's something it's something to behold. And then I would I would love to, to be able to run a promotion in the south. I mean, do do they? Um, I mean, I haven't really seen much south stuff except what I've just recently watched over the years. But uh, is it still more that brawling and grappling? Yeah, it's it's a uh, from what I've seen because it's it's not it's not easily av- available. A lot of stuff isn't taped or whatever. But I mean, it's it's a lot of it's just more brawl yeah grappling brawling simple matches, and then uh, people get more into the characters than what they're actually doing in the ring. Not saying that the workers aren't as good, but I mean it's just a completely different world down there, and is they're it, oblivious to Ring of Honor because these people they're not. They're they're not following the wrestling scene. They just it's just a tradition. They go through the matches, and then uh, it's what they do. They don't follow it as much. Does that do, make do, sense? do they believe it's real? Is it still kayfabe down there? Uh, I, I, I believe to a certain extent that yeah, they still do believe what what they're seeing is is is, is somewhat real. Wow. Maybe not real, but maybe they're more invested in the characters. If that makes any sense, like it's hard to do with with a lot of people. But I mean. If you can really enjoy what you're watching enough to get invested, like I was saying about ECW '96, I knew it was fake, but I was just so invested in the characters that I didn't care that it was fake because I was so into the story that I I enjoyed it, and I think it's the same way for them. And is is the South a heel territory or is it like face territory? It doesn't matter. Um, well, you have big hills and big faces. I mean. The the faces uh, the faces are always going to be what's going to draw you the money, but you also have to have the big hill there too. You know, it's like the the, the balance. You know, like a, a good rapper has to have a good beat to make a good song. I mean, it's it's the balance thing. So I mean, gotcha. it's the both. Yeah. Where's KZ? KZ ain't there. Did KZ leave again? Uh, we're just still me and you on. Uh, so what hip hop are you in today? Do you even follow the current scene or Yeah, I mean I listen to Nas, I listen to Jay Z, I listen to Wu Tang. Uh that your phone? No, that's K Z. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, basically cats that are actually spitting something. I mean, an album should be like a good movie. You should be able to get something out of it. Not that I'm like just going through your album hearing this song, okay, this, that, the other thing, and it's just like no substance. How do you think uh, the singles has affected rap music? Do you feel that people try to make a good single and sacrifice having a good album, or uh, that's just, a lot of it's like that. A lot of it nowadays is just one hit wonders. It's like labels don't really care. They're not making. They're not looking to make a, a basic career out of an artist. They're looking to like put an artist out, get whatever money they can make out of them for the time. And there's a lot of one hit wonders nowadays. It's like you hear the guy now, and like where is he months from now? Definitely, you know? definitely. Yeah, you definitely and, see that a lot. And uh, another thing is that some of these songs are just ridiculous, like that that fucking Soldier Boy bullshit. <laughs> You're not I a mean, fan of Soldier Boy. Not at all. Not at all. Come on, that's that's just pure <laughs> ultimate bullshit. It's like that's just like so dumbing that. I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost like a disgrace to hip hop. It's like you're actually <laughs> passing that off. That record should be just fucking thrown in the trash. <laughs> I mean, it's just like you look at all these, 
you look at like legends of the game, and then you gotta look at this is what hip hop has become too, like fucking Soldier Boy. Unfortunately, hip hop is is becoming more of a, a club type music. I mean, it's like they try to make a record that's going to be played in the clubs a lot. So I'm gonna be real honest with you, man. Hip hop's become the new hustle. Everybody wants to be a rapper now. Everybody from fucking celebrities to it's like, come on, you either actually has some lyrical skill or you're looking at this as a fucking game. It's just like there's a lot of cornballs. There's a lot of a lot of artists in this for the wrong reason. It's like make good music before you sacrifice yourself making bullshit. And I think that could go to any genre of music, whether it be rock, whether it be pop or whatever. I mean, what what do you listen to, brother? Oh, man, I listen, I listen to a little bit of everything. I listen to rap, rock, whatever. Okay, I mean, like, think about it. I'm sure there's got to be something out there where you listen to it and you're like, this is just bullshit. Like, these guys, they're not even making any quality. They're just jumping on a trend just to just for the sake of doing it, trying to make money out of it. I think with anything, if if you have a passion and a heart in it, you're going to put out a good product. But if you're just in it just for, like, monetary gain with, and you don't have no love for it, you shouldn't even be wasting your time with it because you're, you're ruining it for those artists that are really serious about it. Speaking of uh, celebrity rappers, uh, I wonder what your opinion of uh, a famous New York rapper, uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs. What is your, uh, what's your opinion on him? Puff. Puff made, you know, Puff made bad boy. I mean, if we didn't have Puff, um, you know, we would never see. We probably may have never seen Big. I mean, I hope Big would have done it. I mean, Big was the best to ever do it. But you know, Puff, uh, Puff made made and helped Big. You know, to the status where Big, Big is immortal now. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I don't hate on the guy. I mean, Puff does his thing. I mean, Puff had his shine with Bad Boy. You know, the early 90s, I mean, Bebo was definitely stable in it, you know. Uh, definitely think the guy had a good creative mind for the business. So I can't knock him. He definitely uh, got the, some light on some very talented rappers like Notorious B.I.G., as you say, and then also he was the first one uh, to break out the locks with uh, Jada Kiss. And, uh... Yeah, locks. I mean, uh, you know, but I think the direction Puff was trying to take the locks when they first came out was just totally not what they were. I mean, putting the locks and shiny suits and doing songs <laughs> like If You Think I'm Jiggy was not the true potential of Jada Sheik and uh, Styles, you know? It's just like sometimes you you try to make hip-hop too pretty and it's just not a good look. Yeah, but if he would have exposed them out there when uh, Bad Boy was hot, though, I mean, they might not have, you know, that was definitely the break. I mean, they, they had uh, the 24 Hours to Live record was probably, like, one of the hottest joints when they were with Bad Boy. I think, yeah. I think I think the best, the later lock stuff came out when they left Bad Boy, and they were just doing their solo stuff. You know, they were doing their stuff on priority. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like... Um, that was after they were the Rough Riders? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to think Timbaland laced them with the Ride or Die Bitch. Uh, Premier left... Uh, uh, Premier hit them with the recognized joint, so it was just, you know, it was definitely a better sound for them, something that fit them compared to if you think I'm j- jiggy and bitches from Eastwick <laughs> or something, you know? It's All right, I'm like, not going to lie, fellas, I was having problems with my phone, so I called in on my cell. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, I, do, I do have a, another caller on the line here from the 405. Caller from the 405. Yeah. Who am I speaking with? This is Gavin. 
What's going on, brother? What's up? I just had to call in and uh, say I completely agree with uh, DJ McNice about the current state of hip hop. I think I think me and Alex had the same argument when I was out visiting him in Cali. How it's it's become garbage. And then game is definitely fucked up. Yeah, I treat I treat hip hop like I treat wrestling. I don't even watch the the major stuff like WWE or TNA. I go searching for like underground stuff to see if it's any good. Man, who you like on the underground? Man, uh, I I don't have any names in specific. I just go searching through MySpace, like all these underground guys that try and get their name out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've only found like one or two that were decent. But like like y'all said, the current hip hop thing. Uh, it's, Music videos is what really gets to me about hip hop because they're all the same. Uh, pretty much, man. Pretty much, it's like okay, let's let's put some champagne in there. Let's yeah. do the club scene. Let's just <laughs> have some scantily clad bitches. Let's smoke. We need some fire. Time. Yeah, fire. Fire is cool. You know, <laughs> you know, man. It's just become like a fucking porno set. I, I have I haven't seen a good video since I was there when Cypress Hill filmed Insane in the Brain. Oh man. Yeah. Wait, you were at that video? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. wasn't that shot in, like, the House of Blues or something? No, it was here at the DNA Lounge in San Francisco. Get the fuck out of here. That's hot. Yeah. I was also there when uh, Digital Underground filmed the Humpty Dance. Oh, wow. Because, you know, DU's from out here. But speaking of the Digital Underground, when's Tupac and Biggie going to quit running out of songs? Man, uh, no, no, Tupac's alive, man. That that brother's putting out too many nah. tunes. Pox deceased, man. Pox deceased. No, no, he's he's going to I mean, come back. Pox was, was the type of dude that would record, like, nonstop. I mean, the guy yeah. had catalog that would just go in there. Pac was a dude that would, he was a lab rat. I mean, what a lot of people forget is that Pac was also a poet. So this was a guy that was, despite what... Pac was portrayed in the media and by his actions. This cat was very deep um, with the pen and the pad. So he'd go into the studio and rock out like eight, nine tracks. I mean, compared to Big, Big only had two albums. And like what Puff did on the last album was horrible with that Biggie duets. I think that was like some of the worst stuff I've ever heard. Well, I, I got... Well, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I mean, I, I had heat with, with Big. What do you um, like about Big? Okay. <clears throat> Back in the day, I used to be a DJ. All right. So, and I would run the record pool for my partner's record shop out here. And <clears throat> I was on the tables one day, and I was just ripping some new shit. We got in for the record pool. And Biggie was supposed to come in for a, a record signing kind of uh-huh. thing. And he comes in, right? I'm on the decks. I'm ripping shit. And then he walks up to my boys all, hey, who's the cracker up there on the turntable? No, I, I was like, oh no, no, I mean, no. Did you, get, did you get to deal with Big after that, or did Big Big not show you love, or what? That was it, man. I went in the back and I got the fucking record pulled together. I ain't dealing with this shit. Wow, I mean, Big Big's done work with white artists, so I mean, it's not it's not like Big had any personality. You know what I mean? It wasn't like any illness and shit. I mean, Big Big showed love, man. I just I, mean, I took. I took it personal. I was just like, all right, that's fucked up. You know, because I run my boy's record pool. You know, and this guy, it was... Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people <laughs> that lived above the building that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make... Yeah, man. Uh-uh. 
there it is. <laughs> cool, cool. Oh, man. Gav, are you still on the line? Yeah, I am. Okay. Uh, I am going to knock you off because it's slowing down the server. All right, no problem, man. But thanks for calling back in, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll catch y'all later. All right, man. All right. Now, right. Yeah, brother, what's good? What do you think of Shamrock from the White Rapper Show? Uh, man, yo, the funny thing is I actually did a track with Persia from the White Rapper Show. Oh, really? Yeah, matter of fact, she's on the, the track will probably drop out, like, in 2008. It's my man, Eight Tracks, Persia and Cool G-Rap. Name of the track's called Take the Money. And my boy, my boy out of GA, Cancer, the Cancer, he's producing Shamrock. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> from what I hear, his shit's going to be pretty ill. I mean, Shamrock could rhyme. I mean, there's no way he's got the clothes. Shamrock could definitely rhyme, but I just think that the contract with uh, with the Ego Trip is just kind of a crazy deal that they got. You know, it's just like I think he may have been able to do better not going through the White Rapper show. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, but he Shamrock wanted the fast track, so he wanted the fast track. I mean, Shamrock could definitely rhyme. So, I mean, I definitely want to see what he's going to drop. So it should be kind of interesting. I mean, there was a lot of gimmicks on that show. I mean, John Brown's fucking horrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, really, for real. I mean, dude, dude is on some, like, fucking Jamie Kennedy bullshit. <laughs> the, the, the cat with the mohawk was pretty cool. I like that guy. 100 Proof? 100 Proof was cool, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And, you know, he he has the potential to break through on, you know, in different... Well, like, I think, Kid Rock broke through, I think, you know like, what I'm saying? I think exactly, like what Serge said, I think he has the ability to, you know, maybe be that Kid Rock type of dude. Mm -hmm. But uh, but hands down, I think Persia was the was the best artist overall on that show. Mm -hmm. She kept she choking was, at the big, uh, at the, the big performances, though. Yeah, yeah but, that was but, but the now. thing is, the, the truth behind Persia is that the girl literally just picked up ramen like six months before that. So oh, like wow. for her to even go that far is like, yo, like the chick's got skills. I mean, and like the way the show portrayed her to be like this mean chick is like so far from who she actually is. I mean, the chick's real cool down to earth female. Is she, she signed? I do not. To honestly, fellas, I do not even know what the deal is. Is that right now? Exactly. You know what though? You know what though, Mike? Nowadays, it doesn't really matter if you're signed or not. You can put your shit out independently. Yeah, but it's I'm gonna just... be honest with you guys. I mean, in all honesty, the internet killed record sales with the digital download and all that shit. It's just like mm -hmm. there's fans, and then there's people that are just not gonna even go out to buy the album, and it kind of sucks for the artist because. Now it's just like the artist has to tour. The artist has to do this. So you're competing not only with with the internet, the downloads, the free downloads. You're also competing with the bootlegger in the street that's selling your album for five bucks. What what uh, what aspect of entertainment hasn't the internet killed? Because I mean, I was I was in this discussion. The is wrestling is where I'm at, and uh, I was having this discussion. If I, there's a local company around here called Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and they could bring in Larry Sweeney who is my favorite wrestler. But people on the Internet can get Larry Sweeney DVDs and get his best ofs uh -huh. and then make a determination whether if they like him or not and decide not to bring him in, I mean, not to go see him 
where if there wasn't the internet, where his stuff wasn't easily accessible, if you heard the name in a magazine like back in the day, and then he came to your town, you'd be like, oh, I've heard of this guy in the magazine. I want to go check him out. It's like the internet kills the allure on a lot of things. I mean, it's it's one thing. I mean, you got to understand something. The internet, music-wise, I mean, the free music's like terrible. Here you get a guy that that gets signed to a label. He has to pay for all this production costs and everything, and then his album's leaked online three weeks before it's supposed to drop. And now you got to remember this way. Now I don't know how much the CDs sell for down in the South, but like you go into a retail store up here in New York, and like you could buy the CD for like nine ninety nine. You know, back in the day, I know the CDs used to be like fourteen ninety eight. Yeah, but who was getting the majority of that money, though? Was it the artist or was it the record label? Well, the CDs don't cost yeah. that much to make. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Water. if you think about it, the, what was it? The artist was at least maybe getting about like two bucks per CD. I mean, TLC had the number one album in the country, and they were broke. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, a lot. I mean, what a lot of people don't understand is the whole business of the record deal. I mean, you could be signed to a label for a million dollars. You could get a million dollar deal with the label. But what do you think you're actually walking away after the end of the day? I mean, suppose you, if you make a standard album which consists of 10 tracks, and we're just going like the bare minimum. Most artists do like 14, 16 tracks nowadays. But you got to look at that, the production cost on each track. So you got to figure, like a guy like Dr. Dre is getting like almost maybe $80,000 for a beat. So you wow. got to multiply that, and whoever else is getting, I mean, the lowest name producer is probably getting like $3,000 for a beat. So it's production costs, the cost of the studio, the cost of the mastering, this and all that. All that has to go back to the label. Nowadays, the way an artist makes money is by touring and doing shows. And if you don't have a, a live show, have you guys not noticed? Nowadays, you're seeing more and more hip-hop acts playing live. than like, I mean, it's, it hasn't been that way in years. I have to say that's one, I mean, that's one good point, though. I mean, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan every year comes together with a tour. Uh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but the, they have a real strong tour every time they come around. And I mean, uh, that, I mean, you didn't really get to see hip hop acts come around that often. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, all I mean about, it's all about fan base too. I mean, you have to have a loyal fan base. That's like Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill could uh, drop an album year after year and tour all year round, and the album will still go gold or probably platinum, and they get no radio play. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like, and plus Cypress also crossed that market. I mean, they have the rock fans and they have the hip-hop fans. Does MTV yeah, even play rap anymore? What's MTV's stake in all this? They they just do the sucker-free whatever on Saturday sucker or Sunday. Sucker-free bullshit. Which, which I, I, I ain't happy about. Okay, first off, them using that name? I don't think so. I'm from the sucker-free. SF, <laughs> baby. You know what I'm saying? We are, this is the sucker-free here. Not that bullshit on MTV, but I, I, off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> what they do? They stole your name, Casey? Hey, that, hey, we've always been the sucker free. Wow. Always. Okay, I mean, from when Short Dog first came out of Oakland, we were always the sucker free. And then this bullshit, fucking, I turn this stuff on, it's all this garbage. These guys with their big ass rings and their fucking player cups, every other crunk beat. Like, what the fuck is this? You guys heard Tim C died, right? Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. that that hurts. I was a huge UGK fan coming up, yeah, man. Big pimpin'. 
But they just came out with that new double disc, and uh, oh man, it had some good stuff on it. Yeah, the joint with G wrapped in uh, Big Daddy Kane was hot on there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. UGK was one of the because uh, Pimp C had released the album when he went to jail that was really good, and UGK always had really good CDs, mm-hmm. and they were one of the true Southern acts, and they put a lot of Southern guys on too. Oh, hey, UGK was dope. And then Spice One got shot like last week or a couple of days ago. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's just like enough with this violence and shit. Well, one industry to another, and uh, the wrestling industry, people aren't getting shot, but they're they're dying from other reasons. And yeah, man. I mean, isn't that sad, man? How many how many legends we lost in like just like the nineties? My childhood, <laughs> in bro. The past, in the past eight in the in the past eight years. I mean, it's scary. It's like nowadays, once your favorite wrestler hits around 50, you're wondering, is he going to drop? Um, 40. <laughs> yeah, 40. Crazy, man. A lot of these guys. I mean, what do you think is killing these guys, man? Do you think it's the, it's the life on the road all them days? No, no. I think it's it's the, okay, the steroids, they, they grow muscle, which your heart is a muscle. Mm-hmm. Okay? It grows that muscle. And then taking the painkillers and whatever recreational drugs do damage to that oversized heart. Mm-hmm. That's, it's the combination, I think it is. You think the majority of the guys are on juice nowadays? Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. One way or the other. But I have to say, though, is that uh, I've been, uh, I go to a lot of independent shows around here. I've been seeing a lot of guys shrinking, which is a, a good, good thing. A lot of a lot of guys are shrinking, and that's good. I mean, Bobby Lashley looks look like you know, when I seen them photos on WWE twenty four seven, I was like, oh my god, Bobby Lashley looked like he caught AIDS or something. <laughs> I mean, the guy dropped what did he drop? Like sixty pounds in a matter of yeah. like it's ridiculous. It's funny. Me and Davin always have an argument about Lashley, and then I always give the argument that I think Lashley's going to end up being good because he works with so many good people. Whenever he was there, he was working with Regal and working with Finley, mm. and I think Lashley would have ended up being good. But I'll make this counter argument: if you put anyone else in that spot and had them working with the same guys, they would have been good. And how come they couldn't have got that push? Man, I mean, it's I mean, that's that's Vince for you, man. I mean. Vince, Vince will get his favorite guy. I mean, so many guys have said it in the shoot interviews, man. Like, Vince looks at all his boys as a bunch of toys, and he'll take his favorite toys out. He'll play with them for a time. He'll get tired with this one guy, and then he'll stop playing with another guy and stop bringing him up. That was That's what happens when you come from a lot of promoters. <laughs> I mean, you say promoters are bad. Imagine a third-generation promoter. I mean, let me ask you guys: What do you see the F down? I mean, the E down in the future with uh, probably Helmsley and uh, Shane doing the booking. Same. Unfortunately, I see it being worse because I think if honestly, I don't see a Triple H led company where if he's able, if he thinks he's able to go out there and put on a match at forty plus, I think he'll still be in the ring, and I think he'll still be a top guy. We got it. We got to look at it this way. I mean, if he's following the the, the I mean, if he's looking to Flair as his like footstep, you know, following the footsteps of Flair, Hunter will probably be in the ring at forty five, forty eight years old. Hunter wasn't ever a Flair, though. <laughs> oh no, not at all. But I mean, not just, that. just his. You know what? Uh, I mean, you know what once, you see, once you saw Hunter start wearing the suits, 
you knew he was idolizing Flair. Why would he? Why would this guy wear the suits and do the whole like horseman look if he wasn't trying to be Flair? Okay, you know what? Though? You know what, Mike? I'm gonna cut you off here. Okay, but Hunter's, Hunter's not gonna make it that long. Okay, his body is falling apart already. You know, he had those bad injuries and whatnot. Yeah, them knees. So, but I don't mean to cut you guys off. Uh, we're coming down to two minutes. So, Mike, I'm going to give you the office to plug any damn thing you want, bro. Okay, bro. Uh, basically, uh, check me out on MySpace, DJ Mike Nice. Uh, you want to check out my top friends and everything, definitely check out my artist Shakespeare, 8 Tracks, and Life. Uh, shout out to my man, Duop. Big shout out to my boy, Sean, who got fired from the porno store that he was working at. <laughs> I don't need to know. Hope your mom's not listening to this one. Um, <laughs> shout out to my boy, Kid Zombie. I mean, this guy had some of the most craziest comps. I mean, his Brody comp is sick. Definitely try to check that if you get a chance. Uh, shout out to Rubber Guard Radio and uh, all my people over at Crazy Max. So uh, that's about it, guys. And uh, make sure you smoke some green. Oh, I will. Give me a couple minutes. <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming on, brother. We will have you. Uh, we'll have you on in a in a little while. Okay. I would like for you to uh, PM me your phone number, please, on Crazy Max, and I'll get right back to you. Oh, no problem, buddy. Take care. All right, it was a All right boss. Thanks for that. All right. What a, what a show! It was not the standard, but that was a really good show. Hell yeah, we had your high school buddies, and then. Uh, we had the world-famous DJ Mike Nice. We delved into some hip-hop, some obscure wrestling. Damn. Well, uh, <laughs> there we go. MySpace.com backslash RubberGuardRadio. F4WOnline.com. Join the Empire. Alex, you got about 30 seconds. Uh, www.MySpace.com backslash CMSane. Add me as a friend. Uh, if, you're in the, if you're in the Southern California, Arizona, Portland, Oregon area, come check out the San Diego downtown YMCA January 12th. Come see me, Russell. Uh, it's going to be an awesome show. Uh, just trying to bring San Diego back, like I always say. Trying to bring California and the West Coast back. So that's what we're all about. New, NewWavePoWrestling.com. SoCalProWrestling.com. Yeah, RussellWarehouse.com. That's it, and we're out. We'll see you later. All right.